Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome to Socks on Tap. I am your boy Buzz, and I am joined by my dude Tony and my dude Steve. And we are here to talk about some White Sox free agent moves, some maybe trades coming up, hint, hint from Steve Stone, and the hot topic that everybody's talking about. By everybody, I mean pretty much just me. The Yasiel Puig signing, because I want that to happen. But anyway, be sure to go to ontapsportsnet.com for all your Chicago sports literature and podcasting needs, and don't forget to crack them. Boys, Tony, Steve, how you guys doing? Well, did you just did you just precurse this whole episode with us signing Yaziel Puig before it even happened? It's going to happen. I don't, I don't know I, about that. Have, have, you have you ever heard of being so sick, right? Like your body gets so hot you start to hallucinate? I'm seeing it, bro. I see it in my mind. Okay, and I'm going to speak it into existence because I see it. Well, there you go. There you go. But uh, before we get into the Yaziel Puig rumors and everything else, I just want to ask you guys, how was your holiday? Oh, it was outstanding, you know. Listen, anytime you can bring in a masher that's going to hit 35-plus bombs at 35th and Shields, get those air raid sirens, baby. It was a good Christmas. <laughs> yeah, Christmas was great, man. I mean, we had I – had, you know, good time. I got some cool White Sox stuff. I got some cool Bulls stuff. I got a new Mac that I'm on right now, and it's fast. Not like my old one that's, like, over here and dead. So I, I had a pretty good Christmas, man. It was a kid. Uh, it was her second Christmas, but she kind of realizes what gifts are now. So that was pretty dope to see her open up everything. And it was cool, man. And then not to even mention, we signed – didn't we sign somebody on Christmas? Wasn't it Christmas or the day before or something like that? It was Christmas. I mean, I was – it was Christmas, so I was pretty stoked about that. Tony, why don't you bring that guy in? Why don't you talk about that guy? Well, that's Edwin Encarnacion, and you know what was really awesome about that is we were we were in the middle of the family white elephant gift exchange. I don't know if you guys have ever done white elephant, where everybody just wraps up a bunch of shit and you put it all you put it all in the middle, and people take gifts, and every every family's got their own little different way that they play this game. Well, one of the things in, in my family is somebody always brings a bunch of fireworks and puts them in there, wraps them up. And I had just gotten my hands on these fireworks. And I look at my phone because I want to tweet out because you, you guys know I, I fucking love fireworks. I love fireworks. It's like my favorite thing. So every year I go after these fireworks and I've been saving these fireworks for when the socks are good because I want to light off some fireworks. Well, the, I, I look at my phone, so I can I pull it out to go take a picture of these fireworks that I got. Nice big bucket of fireworks, and I, I have all these like notifications. Well, the Sox just signed somebody that's gonna allow me to light off a shit ton of fireworks this year. And that's Edwin Encarnacion. 
this has been, you know, this is the equivalent, I think, of the Minnesota Twins bringing in a guy like Nelson Cruz last year, an older veteran who knows how to mash. And we didn't have a DH last year, guys. This is our DH now. You know, everybody wants to talk about, oh, you could slot Eloy, you could, you know, we could have used James McCann. No, 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 no. This is what I wanted the Sox to do. Go out and solve this problem. The DH, especially on the south side in a hitter's ballpark, should be somebody who's putting out 25 to 40 home runs a year. And they went out and they got somebody who's going to hit somewhere between 30 and 40 on that top end. This was an excellent move, in my opinion. Very low risk because you do have another three or four guys who can fill in if Edwin Encarnacion doesn't work out. It's not a ton of money. This was a, a just an amazing signing from my, my perspective here. And you kind of address that whole, you know, terrible notion that this White Sox DH last year, the DH position, was hitting worse than the New York Mets pitching staff. This was some <laughs> this was this was something that needed to be upgraded, and they went out and they addressed it. They did it. I've been a big Edwin Encarnacion fan ever since he came into the league. I think he's gonna be a, a great veteran bat in the middle of this order. I looked and up. I look up and down this lineup now, guys. It's going to be hard to pitch around some of these guys. That's going to be excellent for this team. They're going to score a shit ton of runs. I'm excited. I'll turn it over to Steve. What were your thoughts on this signing? I mean, the very minute that uh, that signing got announced, my first thought was, okay, here's another 35 homer bat that we can plug right into the middle part of this lineup. And all this is going to do now is this is going to lengthen the lineup. And once you get Robert, and once you bring Madrigal in there, I mean, this thing one through nine, I mean, this is going to be a tough lineup to navigate. And you got some nice versatility. you got some nice speed kind of balanced throughout the lineup here. But again, now, got some mashers in there. I mean, this is a team that hasn't hit 200 home runs in I don't even know how many years at this point, which is really inexcusable playing in this ballpark for the Chicago White Sox. So finally, to have some fucking thunder back in the middle part of this order, let's go. Let's get those air raid sirens ready to go, baby. Bombs over Bridgeport. I'm fucking psyched. Let's do this. Buzz. Oh, my God. Steve, you just totally went inside me and hyped me up there. That's fantastic. And I meant that how I said it. Anyway, going back to your point, Tony, DH last year's not great. We, <laughs> The batting average was 205 for our DHs last year, bro. They hit 17 home runs with 75 ribbies. That's come, you know, that's collective designated hitters right there, bud. That's, that's not collective. great, Bob. That's not that's great. That's not great bob that's not great robert okay we're putting the full name there it's not great robert okay wait, 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 wait. it's not great here it's not great robert. robert there you go there you go robert oh steve it's not luis or luis robert luis robert luis robert that's what we're gonna keep we're gonna keep going right. with that but uh <laughs> I, I would the Car- R sometime. <laughs> you gotta roll the r man plus if your wife hears you do that she'd be like damn what's going on in there chicks love when you roll the r so, <laughs> rolling the R is definitely cool and tough. That's a cool and tough move. Totally cool and tough. Yeah, 100% cool and tough. Rolling the damn R. Anyway, Carcione hit 34 home runs last year. He drove in 86. So right there is an instant upgrade over anything that our DHs did last year, right? So you can't do anything but be excited about this about this signing. And, uh, you know, I think going back to last year, because a couple of us had hot takes about Nelson Cruz going to Minnesota. Like we were like, Oh, we don't want Nelson Cruz because I think we all figured that if we did get Nelson Cruz, that would be the move. 
I think that's all fair to say. I mean, I feel like this offseason's a lot different um, already. But I mean, I'm super happy about this signing. I think that this guy brings a legitimate bat to the lineup. We know what he could do. We've seen him before. He spent. Correct me if I'm wrong. I'm just going off the top of my head. Didn't he spend like two years in this division? He was with Cleveland for about two years. So um, you know, we saw what he could do there. And he, I mean, he's been consistent throughout his whole career. He hasn't had a season where he's hit under 30 home runs since 2011. So I'm gonna take that all day, man. I'm, I'm all for it, Tone. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm loving this. I mean, already um, just looking at projections for him next year off a of baseball reference, 29 homers, and I think he's going to exceed that. Um, but a guy who's going to hit 242, um, you know, and slug somewhere around 49500. I think that's going to be that's going to be excellent in the middle of this order. We, we haven't seen that out of the DH spot in a little bit, so just that extra production. And I like what Steve said; it extends the lineup. This team has had so many automatic outs for, God, I can't even remember how long. You just, you knew that you can get around guys like Jose Abreu and even Moncada last year. Now, when you look up and down this, and and like Steve said, you add in a guy like Luis Robert, you're going to have to, you're going to have to pitch to some of these guys. Guys are going to be able to take advantage of that. It's it's gonna be so deadly, and I think you know just with with Encarnacion, he's been around the Central very recently when he was with Cleveland, um, so he's seen some of these pitchers who are here, and not only that, you look at this this AL Central, and the pitching in it is not very good, it's not very good at all, especially now that Trevor Bauer's left the division, and so is Corey Kluber, so it, it's going to be. A very opportunistic time for the White Sox to have such a lineup like this right now. They're going to be able to score a ton of runs against their own division. And that's something that they're going to need to do in order to win it. And right now they have the lineup to do it. So I, I, I'm absolutely excited to see this team play right now. You just start the season tomorrow because I want to see this lineup just, like Steve said, bombs over Bridgeport, let's go. Yeah, I'm 100% with you on that, dude. I think they're going to be great. I mean, it. I'm excited for what this team brings, and I'm all ready for it. They made a lot of good moves. I think we need to keep going, and I think that's what probably we should get into here. Steve, where do you think they need to go from here? What, what else do you think they need to do? Yeah, so from my perspective, I know I've been a little bit outspoken on this here. If it were me, and I was running the show here, <clears throat> I would go out and I would sign Alex Wood tonight. Yep. Create some additional pitching depth right there. Make Reynaldo Lopez earn that spot in the starting rotation. I've seen a lot of people come at me when I mentioned that and say, oh, you know, he's young, he's young. But I've looked at this. I've looked at guys that have the same uh, innings threshold as him roughly through this point in their career. And despite the fact that he's, you know, 25, he's thrown enough innings at this point to where the probability of him making a giant uptick in his performance isn't as high as people think it is. So if it were me, I would create some more pitching depth. Bring in Alex Wood, challenge him for that start for that spot in the starting rotation to begin the season. And worst case scenario, Wood is a guy that can shift back and forth and be a swing guy in the bullpen as well. Give you a you know one time through the order coming out of the bullpen on the left hand side. That would create some tremendous versatility on the pitching side of the equation right there. Um, so that's something that uh, that I would look at. Um, you know, personally me, I'm not crazy about 
where they're at with right field here. I know we've had some some disagreement on this topic here. I'm not uh, very much in love with the Nomar Mazzara acquisition. I, I know a lot of people will say that, you know, let's see if they can untap the potential um, with him, see what Frank Manichino can do with him. I'm personally not sold on that idea. If it were me, I would maybe be trying to get on the phone and trying to get one of those outfielders from the New York Mets that uh, you know they have in the corners there because they've got a surplus of them right now. So that's what I would be doing personally. Tone? You know, I really like what Steve said about Alex Wood. Um, I have gone on record on the show multiple times and said that I want Reynaldo Lopez out of that bullpen, maybe being a two-inning swing guy. And I think there's going to be some value there, especially with the rule change, the minimum three batters face rule that's coming into play here next year. I really think that he would excel out of there. Just going one time through the order, maybe one to two innings, especially in a long relief, if not middle roll guy. And if if he's excelling there too, you can also deploy Reynaldo Lopez in your sixth, seventh inning if you've got a, if you've got a starter who just doesn't have it through five i think that's where he's going to work out best it extends that whole middle to to early late inning uh bullpen roll because you've already got you know jace fry evan marshall alex Calame. i think reynaldo kind of gets you through those bridge games that's going to help you a lot right there adding another starter to the mix and and here's the other thing too when you get carlos rodon back and michael kopech finally makes his way to the south side you probably already have to pick one of these guys who isn't going to be in the rotation another name that that i want to have to earn a spot is dylan cease his struggles early on last year did not leave me any sort of confidence going in to this year with him and I'm, I'm really curious to see how he navigates through spring training but if he's still displaying those same characteristics that he had this year getting through first and second innings I don't know if I'm exactly comfortable going into this year and a compete year with a guy who's probably a going to be on an innings limit and b is util- is being utilized in innings where he's not effective he also proved that he was more effective as he got late into games He's another guy that I think could, could kind of fill out that role of middle reliever type pitcher. And he's got the stuff, guys. He, he really does have the stuff. I just don't want to come into 2020. If we're going all in on this, we're trying to win the division. And I know 2021 is probably going to be a little bit better than 2020. But let's make Dylan Cease compete for a, a spot in this rotation as well. I think he needs sort of a reality check. Buzz, you said something on Twitter the other day about uh, Nick Madrigal being handed a spot. I don't want to see any of these young guys being handed a spot, and that includes Dylan Cease. Make him earn it as well. So that I, I really like what you said there with the Alex Wood thing, uh, Steve. Um, I think he just adds another name to that, that, that whole uh, mix of starters. I think the only guys right now who really have a lockdown spot in this rotation, at least coming out of spring training, should be Lucas Giolito, Dallas Keuchel, and Gio Gonzalez. Wherever they fall into that rotation, make everybody else earn it around them, and we'll figure it out from there. Now, um, I'm also with Steve on this. Right field, Nomar Mazzara, not giving me the warm and fuzzy feeling uh, going into this year. I, I, I think he's going to be maybe a little bit better than what some of us are expecting out of him, just because I do think that Frank Medicino can help him just a little bit. But I think the best way to do that is in a platoon situation. I don't think he's he's an everyday right fielder. Now, he is young, 
but I'd rather see a vet in there also challenge him. Just the same sort of mentality that we had with the starting rotation. Let's make Mazzara come out of spring training earning his right field spot. Let's not hand anything to anybody. There's some vets on this team that have earned it, and there's some guys that haven't. And I think Mazzara's another name out there that hasn't earned shit when it comes to playing every day. I know Ricky Renteria made some comments about, you know, feeling comfortable about giving him the everyday start in right field. But why just hand it to him when we haven't even seen him play a game or even practice in a White Sox uniform? I don't think that that's fair. Let's go out there and sign another right fielder. Now, Buzz, I know you want to go get Puig, but there's plenty of other names out there in right field who can go get it done. The other thing I think they need to do is close that eighth inning role in the bullpen. Go out and get somebody who can get you to Alex Colome and who's there in case Alex Colome isn't getting the job done. Now, I've been a huge Alex Calame guy. I think that he's excellent when it comes to save situations. But we saw a ton last year when Alex Calame came into the game in a tie ball game, and all of a sudden we're losing. If this team wants to win, they need another solid option out of the bullpen to close shit down. I think that's what they need to address next, and I think that's probably the most important on my pecking order. Go get somebody out of the bullpen who's going to be absolutely effective and lights out. Buzz, I'll turn it over to you. Yeah, I, I can agree with pretty much everything you said there. I mean, as far as the, you know, the one thing that you touched on about me talking about, it was the Brock Holt, Nick Madrigal situation. Because Brock Holt's just still sitting out there, right? You know what I'm saying? I mean, he, you know, mm-hmm. the guy's 31 years old. He was worth one more last year. Yeah, it's not great, Bob. But, I mean, guy was all right. You know, he, he got on base. You know, he um, his on-base percentage was 369. He bat 297. He only hit three homers. But I just thought, hey, you know, while he's sitting out there, why not? And the funny thing that I got questioned about was – was money when it came to this and uh listen i don't know what they're planning on spending i don't know when they're gonna stop i I don't i'd like just to go get players out that are are, that are good so that we can be competitive i don't care that nick madrigal's a top 100 prospect in all the mlb I, i so was gordon beckham i don't care that carson fulmer was a top 100 prospect in all the mlb you know what i'm saying like i don't care about any of that I want to go get players that are going to help us win. And and by Steve saying that Alex Wood thing, correct me if I'm wrong, Alex Wood was an all-star at one time, but what, was that 2016 or 2017? He he would bring in great competition, absolutely great competition for Ronaldo Lopez because, Tony, that's where I've agreed on you since the first Sox on tap I think we ever did with me, you, and Nani that I thought Ronaldo Lopez would be in the bullpen. I think another bullpen piece that we should try, be looking at, and I don't know how you guys feel about it, is 35-year-old Will Harris. I think that he might be a decent pickup, you know, I, but again, because the whole column, thing, people think he's going to regress, you know, they don't want him in the, you know, I was seeing tweets about him today about his, you know, about, about his stats and about, you know, his, his pitch, uh, his pitching stats and all that. And I, I get it, you know, they're questioning him, but I, I like column. I think he, I think he's got a place in the bullpen for sure, but I'd like to add too, if Alex Wood comes in, maybe Will Harris, I mean, there's other options as well. And then getting into right field, getting into right field. I just, this is where I'm at with it. I know a lot of people don't like Puig. Some people say he's a cancer. Some people like say, oh, well, he's not that good. You know, he wouldn't make sense with Mazzara and everything like that. I don't understand why we're even saying that shit. Mazzara doesn't mean a goddamn thing to me. He's a project. That's what he is. He's a project. Yeah, we went and traded for him. He's got some power behind him, but he played in Texas. He never went over 20 home runs in Texas. Never happened. You know, he's worth like, 0.7 war lat, you know, last year, Puig is a two. Then this is where I'm at with Puig. He's usually he, he's anywhere he can get you about two war. Last year he didn't have a great year. He was traded from Cincinnati to Cleveland. 
he was kind of getting tossed back and forth. But I'm just going to read off the right field stats. I don't care if it's Puig. I just like getting an asshole on your team, getting that guy who's going to get in somebody's face, make the White Sox the bad guys. I, you know, I think you could appreciate that, Steve. I'm all about the heel, too sweet, bro. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like that's what I'm. That's what I like. But this is the right field no. stats last year. The they uh they hit 220. The on base percentage was 277. Slugging was 288. Collectively, right field hit six home runs, had 40 RBIs, and eight stolen bases. You see, Puig hypothetically gets signed. This dude hit 24 home runs. He drove in 84. He had 19 stolen bases. Bat 267, 327 on base percentage. He slugged 458 with an OPS plus of 100. So that's where I'm at. But I mean, again, if I, we get an upgrade in right field, it doesn't have to be. I just want somebody. I just don't want it to be Mazzara right off the bat, alluding to what you just said, Tone. You know, going back to that, because what has this guy done? Why would Ricky say he, you know, it'll be his job? I mean, he got shut down right away by Han, too. Didn't Han say he was, they were still looking at right field after Ricky had, like, just donned him the right fielder or something? So there's a lot of work that they could still do here. But, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm for, or not fortunate. I'm, uh, my words are all crazy. I'm hopeful that they do something to, you know, make the team even better. And I think they will. I don't think they're done yet, which is nice. And from Steve Stone's comments the other day, I don't believe they are because he's kind of been right this offseason. Yeah, you know, you, you you both touched on a couple of key points, a couple of things I want to expand on a little bit here. You know, first, you know, as it talks about creating competition for both Mazzara and Cease, I think one thing people need to keep in mind that we're not talking about is both of these guys have minor league options. So the idea about going out and bringing in a guy like Alex Wood to challenge Ronaldo Lopez or, or even Dylan Cease in this circumstance or going out and getting another corner outfielder to challenge Nomar Mazar, both of those guys can be sent down to Charlotte to continue their development there. So that's something that a lot of people need to keep in mind here. So the idea of anointing anybody like that, to, to both of your guys' points, they, they shouldn't be doing that, especially if we're talking about actually going and competing here in 2020. Um, you know, the, the point about Brock Holt, you know, in, in the second base spot, not anointing Nick Magical. You know, another guy I think maybe people should be looking at is Brad Miller, guy, utility player that last year, you know, with two teams last year, had 170 plate appearances, hit 13 home runs last year. Okay. He signed a $1 million deal last year. He, he last year, he slugged 260, 329, 565. Yep. Okay. So, that's a guy that, you know, he's he's a versatile player. He can play multiple different infield positions, can spell in a corner outfield spot if needed in case Eloy runs, you know, face first into a wall at some point during the season. <laughs> so you got a guy that that you can plug out there. So that's something that, that uh, you know, I would seriously give some consideration to. And then, you know, your point about Will Harris, that's definitely a guy I would look to target. I think that's going to be a pretty competitive marketplace for him. And so just a little bit of foreshadowing here. I'm working on my next piece. Uh, hopefully we get this out tomorrow. I got a trade target in mind, a uh, late inning reliever, somebody that could slide into a closer role that has experience. If column a does falter the way that I and a number of other people think he could regress this year. So I think there's a backup plan in mind and I'm, I'm looking to try to drop this thing out tomorrow. Well, you know, oh, I just, excited. I, I want to go and say, you know, having another Will Harris on the team definitely means that the Sox can win the World Series because Willie Harris was on that 2005 <laughs> team. He was my favorite player. And I just scored the go most say, important run in franchise history. Yeah, he scored the most important run in franchise history. Willie Harris, very underrated White Sox player. When you look back at the history of this club, um, 
So having another Will Harris on this team, I think would be pretty cool and tough. I, I agree with that. I, I loved Will Harris. I, you know what, dude? I, I just not trying to get off topic. I watched the DVD on YouTube the other day. Do you know that whole thing is on YouTube? The whole thing in its entirety yeah. is on YouTube. And I'm sick as hell, and I watched it, and I made it made me happy for a little bit. You know, and then I saw the vests and I thought, oh, my God, you know, that's a hot topic that's been going on Twitter. Can we touch on that real quick? Can we like do you, are you guys are you guys all about bringing the vests back? Like I personally am not because I have SpongeBob arms. That's why I cover them in tattoos. I have no muscle whatsoever. I'm, I'm a twig. But for a guy like you see a week, the vest would be pretty cool and tough. Yeah, I, I, I think bringing the vest back is is not as important for me as bringing back the old intro that leads into Thunderstruck. I think, you know, if I had to go vote, and I saw this poll on Twitter the other day, bring one back, the vests or the old intro, I'm going with the old intro. I think that that just, it brought the energy in. I would probably, you know, head on in to the ballpark a little early just to see that intro, get some fireworks, you know, it Maybe it's a little bit of extra money in Jerry's pocket if I'm in the in the ballpark a little earlier, you know, getting two beers out of the way there instead of out in Lot B. But to each their own. Um, I, I think the vests were pretty awesome, but it's not at the top of my list, you know what I mean, of, of wants <laughs> as a White Sox fan. You 100% wouldn't go in early. <laughs> you, you 100% oh. wouldn't go in early. <laughs> So, so Tony, I know, I know the exact poll that you were talking about where, where their question, okay, pick one or the other. My question is, why not both? You know, I mean, I, I love that goddamn intro video. And I will say this as someone, you know, through high school and through college playing when we had vests on, you know, all the teams I played on, man, I loved those things. And, you know, at that point I was like 160 pounds soaking wet and I had never, you know, even so much as touched a a weight in my life. So, I mean, I was like about as, you know, skinny as a broomstick at that point, but I still love those things, man. So, um, I just, man, I've always thought that those uniforms were cool as shit. Even you go back, like, you look in, like, the 1960s when the Pirates and the Reds were wearing those things back then. I've just always had a soft spot in my heart for those. So I'm all about bringing them back. I think they're so cool. I, I really do. I, I think they're just, they're different. They're dope. I always, I just always dug it. And I, I don't know why. Every time I picture them, who's, like, the first player that pops in your head? I, I would like to hear it because mine's AJ. I just always remember AJ with his black undershirt. No, you know, it just, it looks so cool. I, I don't know, man. I just, I, I love those vests. Maybe they can come back. The intro would be dope too. Kind of going retro with it. That'd be awesome. Well, yeah. go ret- go retro with that intro, but then like start to include some of the new guys and, and drop, yeah. s- drop some of the new shit in there with the, you know, the, the Yohan Moncada, um blast that Benetti called and the and the Eloy blast at, at Wrigley. Just to start to incorporate some of the new stuff. But throw it back to the Pirates of the Caribbean, right into Thunderstruck. I think that would be it would just liven up the ballpark. I mean I don't even know what the, the new intro is. It, do, it doesn't get me excited at all. You know? Because uh, it changes every other game. Yeah, that's true. It yeah, does change every other game. There's no consistency to it anymore. It's depending on whoever's DJing you know, that day, like that was one of the things, I mean, there was consistency with that, man. That thing used to get me so jacked up. And as someone who has traveled around to all the different parks that I've been to, I can tell you that I would put that intro video up against anything I've seen at any other visiting park. 
it's kind of like how the Bulls did it, you know, like the Bulls kept even after MJ has been gone for how long now, you know, 20 years, 21 years he's been gone. 1998 is when he retired out of Chicago uh, and they still have uh, what is it? Cyrus, you know, that's that's what it's called. A do 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 like that gets me jacked every time. And so did the whole Pirates of the Caribbean going into Thunderstruck things. Socks. Socks need to start listening to us a little bit more on Twitter because, I mean, if they want that place rocking like a motherfucker, we know what we're talking about, okay? They need to listen. That place will be going nuts. Keep the, you know, they're keeping Hot Dog Wednesdays. Could you imagine on Dollar Dog Wednesdays with that intro plan? I'd be passed out before the first inning started. Well, then be, you wouldn't, you wouldn't just be you see, awesome. that, that's the problem right there is they wouldn't, they wouldn't have your money for the rest of the day. So that's why they, they that's killed not the intro. True. So you've got to take that statement back, my friend. You know, that's not true. You always know how to bring me back to life, dude. You get me a water, you get me another hot dog, and I usually wake up. <sighs> as long as your hand doesn't <laughs> fall on a, a thing of queso or your phone or whatever that was. Oh, when <sighs> I dropped my phone and the cheese? Yeah, we're not going to talk about that. Well, you know, I don't know how we went down this rabbit hole, but I think we've made a good point here. And that's that the, the Sox need their thing, right? You know, like every winning team has had a thing. And right now the Sox, like, you, you go to the ballpark and there's there's no real thing, you know? I'm really curious to see what that thing becomes. You talk about, you know, different park intros or different, you know, in-stadium things that happen. Like, I think it's really cool in Atlanta when the when the pitcher comes out and they turn the lights off and everybody's doing the, what is it, the tomahawk chuck or whatever that that is, and the, you see the lights and the phone. Sox need to, to turn this into something i don't know what it is yet but they need to do something that gets that place excited and it needs to have that electric feel to it and i I felt like that thing for a long time was that intro and thunderstruck and that had you know it, it carried an identity i want this team to have an identity and when i think about the white Sox, i still to this day think about thunderstruck and i think about rock and roll and acdc and all that shit they need to they need to bring that back i think or develop something new that's you know awesome you know what i mean that it that, that, that just gets everybody excited and like i said i don't know what that is but i think the, a step in the right direction would be to bring that intro back and the vests too I, I think those are two unique identifying things to the white Sox, and they have to they have to capitalize on this culture right now especially when this team heads on the upswing because that's going to generate excitement, and excitement generates dollars. So if if you're part of the White Sox front office, and like Buzz says, you're listening to this, that's that's where I'm coming at you. I, I like it. I like it a lot. I don't I don't know what else that I have really to add. I think we touched on a lot of good stuff. You got anything else to add? Did I miss anything? Not in this topic, but let's talk a little bit. Um, I mean, I think we briefly touched on it, but Steve Stone had a tweet the other day. And uh, I think Steve, you were the one that shared it with shared it with us, um, tripping over my words as I drink all these uh, Miller Lights that were for Buzz but are now mine. Um, yeah, anybody got that Steve Stone tweet? I think I just found it here. Um, here it is from yesterday. Uh, the White Sox will be making a deal for pitching in the not too distant future. They realize the bullpen needs some help, and that comes next. So I know we talked a little bit about Will Harris. Uh, but why don't we go through some of the other options and, and different things that the White Sox may do to address it? Because Buzz, like you said just a little bit earlier, um, Steve Stone's been kind of right on everything so far this offseason. 
Yeah, he has been. I mean, you know, I honestly, I mean, I don't really know who they're going to be targeting through trade. Um, I don't even know what they're, you know. I mean, I, obviously, I don't think they're going to be looking for any starters. I mean, do you think they could? I, I'm not sure where they're going to be going with it. I like I said, I had a couple in mind, you know, but that's you know the Alex Wood thing, the Will Harris thing, signing, but trades. Steve, I don't know. You got anything on that? I mean, I'm not 100 percent sure who they target or who they're, who they're going to be even looking at. Well, the one thing that I'm wondering, and I know Stone actually just shot this down as I'm as I'm looking on Twitter. He literally just responded to somebody. Uh, somebody suggested uh, Keon Kilo, the uh, reliever from Pittsburgh Pirates, and Stone basically just shit all over uh, that. <laughs> basically said, "You don't know a great deal about Kila, do you?" So, meaning there there's got to be some backstory there, or some off the field bullshit going on there because i mean stone immediately just shot back at that one yeah that was you know, that was jarell harper at new style 23 i'm not trying to call anybody out but uh, i'm just gonna put a name to it right there i'm looking at the tweet right now yeah. um yeah. and then uh shy Sox fan mike said daniel hudson or will harris please that's what kicked that whole thing off so Dan- daniel hudson's a guy that it wouldn't surprise me if they tried to bring him in you know um, I famously remember him being traded uh, to the Arizona Diamondbacks for Edwin Jackson back in 2010 when Jackson was supposed to get spun to Washington for Adam Dunn. I hated that trade. I hated that trade so fucking I'll t- much. I'll tell you this much. I was actually at Daniel Hudson's last start in a White Sox uniform the game when um, Andrew Jones hit his 400th home run right before the All-Star break in, in uh, 2010. So I was at that game. So you know, the idea of bringing him back in there as a veteran presence in the bullpen, somebody that I think would make a tremendous amount of sense, and given the past history with the organization, I could definitely see it. Uh, one of the other names that I keep coming back to, though, is Steve Spieshek. Uh, yeah. You know, he around with a number of different teams. He was obviously with that uh, with that other team, you know, this past year. So um, he's a guy that, you know, I don't think from a dollar standpoint would cost a great deal. So I could definitely see him being a target and being a veteran presence on the right side of the bullpen there. I did see Pedro Strope too. Did you see that? No, I didn't see that one. I don't, I don't know. I don't know if I'm a big Pedro Strope guy at this point in time. I don't know about you guys. I'm not really either. I'm just, I'm just telling you what I read on Twitter. God, man, who put that on there? Tony, if you have any thoughts to add, I'm going to search for this tweet here real quick. Um, but I swear to God, I saw that there, there was some interest there, and I'd like to try to find it so I don't look like an ass. Um, or maybe it wasn't. It was a guy, uh, James Gordon, Chai Sox James, with the White Sox next move, signing relief pitcher. Oh, he put, give me Pedro Strope. But I know somebody put that, that there was a Sox were showing interest. I don't know if it was a verified guy or not, but I'm trying to find it, but I don't know if I can. He's on a lot of people's wish lists, so I'll say that much. You know, I, and that's why I, I don't know if I'm a big Pedro Strope guy. I think there's a few other options out there, but you know, I just go back to Reynaldo Lopez is right there for the taking for this role. Um, you know, and I, I think I, I talked a little bit earlier about him being in a little bit of an earlier relief role, but I, I think he can also fulfill that role as well if you do bring in another starter. To this rotation, another another veteran guy that that can get you know either kicked to the wayside or um, you know if if he's failing and you bring in Kopech and Rodon back to the rotation, but I think if you're going to land one of these guys, you're looking at probably a two three year deal, wouldn't you say, Steve? So I don't know. This is a tough. This think, is a tough yeah. little spot. 
Yeah, I think I think with Harris or or with Hudson, yeah, you probably are looking at at least a two to three year commitment. To tell you the truth, um, you know, with Hudson or I'm sorry, with Harris being you know 35, you know, maybe you could get by it with a one year deal and an option. But I think he's probably going to be looking for two years guaranteed. The thing that's just interesting to me is there's been really no buzz around him at all this offseason here, which is really surprising, especially for a guy that pitched as well as he did out of the bullpen with a high-profile team that lost in the World Series last year, and we're hearing nothing about him. That's just really odd to me. Um, But, yeah, you probably are looking at a two- to three-year commitment with either one of those guys, which, you know, once you get guys in their their mid-30s, yeah, there's a lot of risk and volatility involved with that type of commitment, but I think they really need to do it. I mean, obviously, the goal is to have your own homegrown bullpen, and they still have guys down in Charlotte and in Birmingham that have high upside that either were injured or just ineffective last season. When you talk about guys like Zach Birdie, um, Ian Hamilton, you know, uh, Tyler Johnson, Cody Medeiros. So, I mean, there there's options down there at the minor league level. They're just not here yet. And obviously, the you know, the fewer guys that you have on these long-term commitments um, – the more likely you can be to kind of start shuffling some of these guys in here if they earn their spots in the in the bullpen. You know, another name too, um, and I don't know if he's completely effective, but he he did show some stuff last year, and that's Ryan Burr. The Sox did bring him back. I'm kind of curious to see what his recovery is going to look like. I I, I don't think he's probably going to be ready for spring training, but it's probably going to be somewhere mid year. I think he's maybe on the short list of names that'll make their way back up to the to the bullpen at some point next year. I don't think that the Sox, though, are totally screwed if they don't make a move here. And you talked a little bit about, you know, Will Harris, especially uh, probably requiring a two- to three-year deal, Steve, and that's kind of my mindset on this as well. I don't know if you want to tie up that spot in your bullpen for two to three years because there could be some serious regression there. And like you said, there's a lot of young names in this in this just organization that are pitchers who could fulfill this role. Um, it just doesn't leave you very comfortable in 2020. I think that's where we're trying to kind of figure some stuff out, and I'm sure that's where the White Sox organization is trying to figure something out here is that on paper, this team, and you've, you've now given some one- to two-year deals, so that's 2020, 2021. You want to open up this window now. You probably need – some sort of veteran in that role now and then carrying on. So I, I don't think they're screwed out of it. You, you may see another Evan Marshall type pop up. You know what I mean? That's, that's going to help you get through that. I think you're just a lot better off if you do sign somebody, but it's got to be done right. I, I don't want to tie up another $12 million to $15 million in the bullpen a year for a guy who's 35, you know what I mean? I, I just don't think that that's really necessary at this point in time. So it, it is a weird niche spot that they've got to kind of figure out what to do with because I don't know what you're going to get out of a guy like Kelvin Herrera this year. You don't know what you're going to get out of Jace Fry. And, and especially with that rule change, the whole lefty specialist thing kind of goes out the window. So it, it's going to be really interesting, not only for the White Sox, but what some of these other teams do with their seventh, eighth inning relief. That's why I got I got the perfect solution 
uh, guy on a one-year deal, veteran guy that uh, threw the ball, threw the living shit out of the ball in the bullpen last year. So just give it 24 hours. I can't wait for this article to drop now. This is this is perfect plugging for that. I I can't wait. See now I'm I'm even more hyped up. Every time you release something, I am. Believe it or not, I'm, just, I'm not just saying it either. I really am hyped up every time you release something. I love reading your good. stuff. It's just it's gonna be it's gonna be really funny because people are gonna see the name and they're gonna be like you're out of your fucking mind and then when I when I show the data oh yeah I guess he wasn't too bad so it's it's gonna catch some people off guard but there it's gonna it's a little bit of a complicated scenario here but it's trust me it, it would be a good idea oh I, I love crazy so hey, I, hey, I can't wait to see that hey Buzz where can people find that article. Oh, they can find that at ontapsportsnet.com. Did you know you can go there for all your Chicago sports literature and podcasting needs? I did not. Well, you know you do. There the you more go. you know, because knowledge is power. True. Very yeah, true. Because knowledge is power. Okay. That's awesome. I, I love that little. I love that little plug. See, we're doing work here now. We're doing work, and I like it. All right, on that guys. Grind, dude. Definitely. All right, guys. Anything else on your mind, White Sox related? Um, we'll close out with a little bit, just round table. What's on your mind with this team right now? I'll, I'll start with Steve. You know, I think as it stands right now, um, and I touched on this with a couple of tweets, uh, once the Encarnacion deal w- was finalized, they're putting themselves basically within the margin for error right now to win this division. So I think as it stands right now, I'd say they're probably about an 83 win team. And, you know, I think Cleveland Still has really strong starting pitching, even without Corey Kluber. You know, you look at what they've got there with Clevenger, um, with, uh, you know, don't call me Justin Bieber. And then, you know, Carrasco, when he's not on on the injured list, you know, he's going to give you some quality. So they still have solid pitching, but I just don't know where the runs are going to come from with that team. And then if they happen to trade Lindor, that just totally changes everything. And, I mean, the Twins... You know, their number three starter going into next season is a guy that was driving Uber, you know, last offseason. So, you know, if you really feel confident and, and if you're a Twins <laughs> blog and you want to go run in your mouth about the about the Twins, you know, please, yes, tell me more about how that's going to be repeatable and how Mitch Garber is probably going to hit, you know, like peak Mike Piazza again last year when he never showed <laughs> like that. But, yes, be concerned about the Sox regressing, okay? But, you know – with, with what they've done and actually putting in competent major league players and the upside with the young players that they've got in Kopak coming back with Madrigal, with Robert, with, you know. Oh, oh man, that was, oh. that was epic. That was the, be- that, that was, that might be the best roll the R we've ever had on this entire show. Robert. There it is. I'm going to save that. I'm going to save that. I'm saving that soundbite. I'm going to put it on a t-shirt. If there's, an, if there's an audio version of a t-shirt, it's going to have a button, and you can you can press it and hear you roll the R. Robert, I love it. But, you know, with those guys, and the, I mean, the high upside that those guys have, there is 90-plus win upside on this. I mean, this team does have the potential to make a big jump the way the 2015 Royals did, the way the 2015 Cubs and Astros did, the way the 2018 Braves did. The upside is there. Whether they're going to hit it or not, we don't know. I mean, there's there's tremendous volatility. So, you know, I could definitely see a scenario where this team wins 92 games. I could also see a scenario where they win 77. So there's a lot of variance at play here. But, again, I just think they put themselves in a position to where they're within the margin for error, to where if some things break the right way, 
I mean, it could be Soxtober 2020, baby. Oh, that'd be so sweet. That'd be so sweet. Uh, yeah, I mean, I guess my final thoughts of the podcast and stuff like that, obviously we're going to ha- be having more of these coming soon. But, you know, uh, our buddy Ken W.O. put something on, on Twitter earlier today, and I wanted to touch on it real quick. You know, and this kind of goes to Steve's point, too. You know, we could be an 83-win team. We can get up to a 92-game win, you know, uh, win team. I mean, there's a lot of different scenarios that could play out here. But between eight guys, CBS, and this is from Ken W.O., between eight guys, it was Eloy, Tim Anderson, Grandal, Edward Carcion, Jose Abreu, uh, Mazzara, uh, there's uh, Tim Anderson, and there's another one. Uh, Mankata, Mankata. Uh, between those eight guys, they have us slated for 251 home runs. We're not done adding yet. You know, I, I think that the, I think this team's just going to be real fun. You know, I'm I'm excited. I'm all for it. I honestly think that, uh, you know, my head is usually in the clouds. And I said this on the last episode tone that we had. I ate my words, dude. And I think I got to get cr- a little credit for that. I ate my words because I didn't think they were going to do shit. They broke me. I was very upset. I think I was probably even more down because of what the Bulls and the Bears have done this year. So I was just like burn everything to the ground. Um, but I, I'm excited for what they've done, and I'm I'm super stoked and super optimistic that this team is going to surprise a lot of people. And with them not being done, I think we're just going to get even more dangerous. So that's that's where I'm at. That's my final thoughts for today. Final closing thoughts from me. Um, I go back to the first show that us three did, and that was after the Yasmani Grandal signing. And um, you know, I, I tend to side on the on the more negative side. I guess I'm not full blown negative nani. But I'm also not anywhere near head in the clouds buzz guy over there who's, you know, always buzzed out of his mind on whatever he's doing that day. But the hot toddy today. Hot yeah, toddy hot toddy today. today. Um, you know, I said when they signed Yasmani Grandal that this team had set itself up for success this offseason. I came out of the winter meetings, especially Steve, after we talked to Scott Merkin, and he gave that prediction that the Sox would make two to three impactful moves. I was very disappointed. I think I was almost as let down by the fact that they didn't come out of there, you know, and and that was hot off the Zach Wheeler miss. I was so down on this team in this off season after that, without realizing my words about how this team had already set itself up for success here. And I thought, okay, this is another off season where we're going to come out with a failure. Johnny and I did a whole that's so White Sox headlines article that uh, was it was really fun to write because it was fun to come back and laugh at some of the misses that this team has had. And then that's how we cope as White Sox fans. I'm not always going to sit here and say, yes, this is going to come, you know, because we haven't been given anything. You know, we look back, it's almost, it, it, this is going to be the 15-year anniversary since we've done anything meaningful as an organization. That's not easy. You know, that's, <laughs> that's, you know, some of the people who are listening to this show might be 15 years old. They, they haven't seen shit in their lifetime. You know, so as a White Sox fan, it's really hard to look at past success. You don't want to be, you know, I don't want to compare it to the 85 Bears, but, you know, I know, Buzz, you and I weren't even around for that. You still see Bears fans talking about the 85 Bears. I don't want the 2005 White Sox to live in lore for the rest of my life. That would just suck, you know? Just I don't want to be fucking 65 years old talking about how great it was in 05 when I was back in high school. Goddamn, that would suck. I want this rebuild to actually mean something. And the Sox have actually done 
some work towards getting us to a point where we can be competitive. Yeah, they've missed out on a lot of big targets. Yeah, there's been some failures. Yeah, some of it's been laughable. But actually signing Yasmani Grandal, bringing in Dallas Keuchel, even the Gio Gonzalez thing, those were good moves to make this team win more ball games this year. And I think that that's something that we need to give them credit for. I'm not ready to whole, like, wholeheartedly dispel the notion that you know the Sox can't go land a big-time free agent because I still haven't seen that yet, and I don't count Dallas Keuchel or Yasmani Grandal as big-time free agents. Those were those were reserved for names like Manny Machado, Bryce Harper, Anthony Rendon, some of those other names. So I'm not ready to dispel that. But there was another path to success. We've had multiple articles about it. Steve, I think you, you wrote one. I know Pat Flowers wrote one on our website um, about how to go about the rest of this offseason after missing on premium talent. And hey, I wouldn't even consider Zach Wheeler to be in that ballpark. Um, I think you would have had to go get Garrett Cole in order to dispel that notion. But the Sox have done good stuff this offseason. It's probably the best offseason we've seen in I don't even know how long. This is going to be an exciting year at the ballpark. I am so excited to get back to Lot B, crack beers with you guys, eat some dollar dogs, and, and have fun this year. And yes, Buzz, we're going to do a ton more of these this offseason. We're going to be talking about this team all through the rest of the offseason, into spring training, and it, it, throughout the season. We've got post games coming for every game. I can't wait to be talking about all the bombs that this team's hit <laughs> in the upcoming season. I think you said 252 projected? 251, yeah. 251? Yep. That would be absolutely and that's incredible. Just for eight, and that's just for eight guys. That was just for eight guys. Yeah. I mean, I hope Jerry Reinsdorf accounted in his budget for this year for more fireworks. Because I love fireworks. And fireworks are cool mm-hmm. and tough. So if I have to say anything leaving at the end of this podcast, it's I want to see more bombs. And I think that the White Sox have fulfilled that need. We're in the Christmas season right now. Christmas wish granted. I want more fireworks. That's it. That's all yeah, I more, hey, yeah, Tom, more fire. Hey, hey Tom, real quick before before we go here, I just wanted to ask you though, you know, when they didn't sign anybody at the winter meetings and we were texting and you were very down on things, who told you to be patient and who told you it's not when you sign them, it's if you sign them. You know, that was you. That was you. Um, so I will give you some credit there. And, you know, we talked a little bit about that when we did the whole, like, Mazzara talk when you and I were texting Steve. And it, it, I think there is a perception from the fan base about when the moves are made. Because if you go out and you get somebody before Mazzara, now say they go sign Yaziel Puig or Castellanos or somebody else. The whole perception of the Mazzara thing gets skewed, right? Because now you have an everyday right fielder. What we can analyze as fans is when they make the moves or when they don't make the moves. So I, I do credit you with, with the whole it's not when they, it's not when they, it's if they. But there's also that same perception. So I'm, I'm never going to change in that regard. <laughs> I'm just laying that out there. I'm never going to change. I'm going to analyze everything with the information I have because a a very uh, important voice in this White Sox organization told us last season, take what the facts that you have, analyze them, and then make your decisions 
and your analysis based off of what you have, the information that you have at hand. And that was Rick Hahn when he talked on that White Sox Talk podcast. I don't think it's fair for the organization to ever come at us and say, don't take this move at face value, which he did with the Mazar thing. He told us, don't take this move at face value. Because I, I don't I don't really I don't really have the ability as a fan to do anything until there is pen to paper and things are done and solidified. So as a fan, I'm going to react based on the knowledge that I have at that given moment. And you're you're correct in that statement, Steve, and I appreciate you <laughs> for for doing that and kind of talking me off the ledge. But I'm always gonna go to that ledge. The ledge of negative nani as I'm gonna call it. <laughs> Look, we're Sox we're so- fans. We have no choice but to be on that ledge. I mean, this organization has drawn us to that here with a decade of ineptitude here. So, you know, the good news is, look, this decade is over in two days now. So all we can do is hope that we got better times ahead. Let's get out there. Lot B, let's crack some fucking beers. Let's watch some bombs. And uh, let's get some fucking wins, baby. Let's go. God, I'm so hyped right now. I'm so I'm so hyped right now. I wish I it was fucking wait. opening day tomorrow. What do we got? What do we yeah, got like ninety be... some days left? No, no, no. Yeah. We're under ninety. We're under ninety. Yeah, we're under ninety. We are at. Hold on, I'll tell you in one second. Oh yeah, let me let me know. This fucking thing will pull up ever. <laughs> we're at eight. Whoa. We're at fifteen days. What are we at? One, one more time. We are at Patrick Kane days. Ooh, Patrick 88 Kane, 88. Days. We got 88 days to opening day. It's going to be a good time out there. It's going to be a good time. We're going to throw a nice, nice, huge tailgate. Hopefully Buzz can get out there, take the day off of work. Uh, oh, you already know I'm going to be out there for that. Are you kidding? You better be. You know I'm not, I'm, I'm going to be there for show. You better be. It's not even a, not even a question. Well, Buzz, I think that's all we've got, man. Um, why don't you close it down how you always do, my friend? All right. Be sure to go to ontapsportsnet.com for all your Chicago sports literature and podcasting needs. Following us all on Twitter, following at SoxOnTap, following at ontapsportsnet. And be sure tomorrow, in about 24 hours, Steve said, we're going to be getting his article dropping. And I'm very, very excited to read it. He's got a target that he's very excited about. Uh, to release this article you know said a lot of people wouldn't expect it so get ready for that tomorrow man that's all i got all right buzz we'll close it down how we always do white socks forever white socks forever nice